I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. In today's reading, we'll be looking at Daniel chapters 4 through 6. In this fourth chapter of the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar has a second dream, and this dream is shared to us in first-person narrative from Nebuchadnezzar himself, beginning with verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house, and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, and before him I told the dream, saying, O Belshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret trouble of thee, tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. And the tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached into heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beast of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. And I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him. And let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. So after Daniel's successful recitation and interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's first dream back in Daniel chapter 2, O Nebuchadnezzar has a second dream. 
These first 18 verses detail that dream in a narrative that comes from Nebuchadnezzar's own hand. Now, it's interesting to me that despite the fact that his regular entourage of wise men were not able to interpret his first dream, nonetheless, Nebuchadnezzar gives them a first shot at this second dream anyway. What's up with that? But after the failed attempt of the other would-be prognosticators in verse 7, to give him the interpretation of his latest dream, he lays out the dream to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, beginning in verse 10 and concluding in verse 18. Oh, by the way, Belteshazzar was the name Nebuchadnezzar gave to Daniel, and is not to be confused with Belshazzar, who appears in chapter 5 as king of Babylon. We find the primary stipulations of the dream concerning Nebuchadnezzar in verses 16 and 17, where he says, Let his portion be with the beast and the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. Now, what do you suppose that means? Well, read on, and Daniel will interpret it for us. In verse 19, where we find the beginning of Daniel's interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached into the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beast of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown, and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of the heaven, and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Daniel's interpretation for this dream begins in verse 19. So, how do you tell the king who promoted you that because of his sin he's going to go insane for a period of seven years? That's in verse 25. Well, Daniel's a straight shooter. Got to tell the truth. Actually, Daniel gives him an out in verse 27 when he concludes in his interpretation, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, 
Break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. If it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. So here's the deal. The insanity stipulated by the dream and its interpretation can be avoided. But did Nebuchadnezzar take Daniel's counsel along with the interpretation? Well, apparently not, as we'll see in the balance of this chapter. In verse 28, we see the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar going insane. Verse 28. All of this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon and I, that I have built for the house of thy kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws." It took a little while for the stipulations of that dream and interpretation to be fulfilled. But about a year later, it happens. Nebuchadnezzar goes insane, just like Daniel said. He becomes socially repulsive. He even starts eating grass like cattle. We see that in verses 25, 32, and 33. Well, that's just disgusting. This goes on for seven years. This very rare mental disorder actually has a name. It's called boanthropy. Incidentally, you'll notice that Nebuchadnezzar's mental illness follows on the heels of an ego trip that he states in verse 30. Finally, Nebuchadnezzar is restored to sanity. We see that beginning in verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High God, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand, or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride he is also able to abase." Well, it was quite an ordeal, but when Nebuchadnezzar emerges from his insanity seven years later, he clearly has learned a lesson about the one true God. When you compare verses 30 and 37, you get a good before and after picture. Before, in verse 30, he says, The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power? 
and for the honor of my majesty? But afterwards, in verse 37, here's what he says. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, pray and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Verse 37 almost makes you like the man. Well, that's the end of Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. It ends here in chapter 4. In chapter 5, we pick up with hedonism at its finest, the story of Belshazzar, not to be mistaken with Belteshazzar, which is Daniel, but Belshazzar was a successive king of Babylon. Verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast of thousands of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whiles he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. So we see in this chapter, chapter 5, there's a new king over Babylon. His name is Belshazzar. It was Nebuchadnezzar's grandson by his daughter. This new king throws a party for a thousand of his leaders. Belshazzar actually took the sacred vessels that had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem while it was being destroyed and served wine in those vessels. Literally, they were making fun of the God of Israel. That's pretty tacky right there. We see in verse 4 that they were polytheists, with no substance to their religion whatsoever. Making fun of God and living for pleasure, well, that's a dangerous combination. By the way, friends don't let friends make fun of God. Something strange happens. We see that beginning in verse 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing, nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever, let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in the kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father... Light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of God's was found in him. Whom the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father the king, I say thy father made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences 
and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. So in the midst of this party that Belshazzar is throwing, a man's fingers mysteriously appear and begin writing on the wall. Well, wonder what it says and means, the king queries. The kingdom wise men are summoned, but nobody has a clue regarding this unusual event. The queen mom, which is Nebuchadnezzar's daughter, remembers Daniel, perhaps Daniel was retired at the time, and they summon him, and silly old Belshazzar promises him one-third of the kingdom if he can interpret the writing. Daniel says, don't need the reward, just let me at that writing. So we have the bad news of that writing beginning in verse 13, reading. Then was Daniel brought in before the king, and the king spake and said unto Daniel, Art thou that Daniel, which art of the children of the captivity of Judah, whom the king my father brought out of Jewry? I have even heard of thee, that the spirit of the gods is in thee, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom is found in thee. And now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But they could not show the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of thee, that thou canst make interpretations and dissolve doubts. Now if thou canst read the writing and make known to me the interpretation thereof, thou shalt be clothed with scarlet, and have a chain of gold about thy neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known unto him the interpretation. O thou king, the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and language trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew. And whom he would, he kept alive. And whom he would, he set up. And whom he would, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwelling was with the wild asses. They fed him with the grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heavens, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, and nor hear, nor know, that the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, thou hast not glorified. Then was a third part of the land sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written, Mini Mini Tiko Ufarsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mini, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tiko, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, put a chain of gold about his neck, 
and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom being about threescore and two years old. So you'll notice in verse 13 that Belshazzar doesn't seem to know Daniel. The old queen mom might have passed on summoning Daniel had she known the news would be so bad. Daniel begins his interpretation with the history lesson, verses 18 to 21. That history lesson was regarding the fate, the sudden insanity of Nebuchadnezzar, seen in chapter 4. Daniel had prophesied that seven-year ordeal that actually took place in advance of it actually taking place. Then Daniel transitions to the interpretation of this event. This wall writing said that Belshazzar was a loser of a king before God and that he did not deserve to rule, so to speak. In other words, you're a loser and your reign is over. For some reason, honor, I guess, Belshazzar rewards Daniel anyway. It seems sort of unreal to me, but, but he did. And that night, Belshazzar was actually killed and his kingdom overtaken by the Medes and Persians under the leadership of Darius the Mede. Wow, what started out as a great party night turned bad rapidly. So Belshazzar gets just one chapter and boom, he's assassinated. This marks the end of the Babylonian Empire, as a matter of fact. Belshazzar does get mentioned in chapter 7, verse 1, and in chapter 8, verse 1, but simply as a point of reference for two of Daniel's prophecies. Nevertheless, Belshazzar places Daniel back in power in Babylon as a result of interpreting the writing on the wall. You know, as an interesting note, you know, we have a common expression called uh, writing on the wall. In other words, he should have seen the writing on the wall. It's used to express the anticipation of doom or misfortune. And it originates right here in Daniel chapter 5. Because, I think we'll all agree, Belshazzar saw the writing on the wall. In chapter 6, we find the account of a plot against Daniel. Based on professional jealousy. Chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing 
that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. So under new empire management, the Medes and Persians, Daniel is now over one-third of the whole kingdom, soon to be appointed over the whole thing by the new King Darius in verse 3. However, the rest of the upper management kingdom personnel, the 122 men that are under Daniel, they're all jealous of this Jewish man having so much authority over them. They conspire to have the king establish a decree declaring that he who worships anyone except the king for 30 days will be thrown into the lion's den. For a polytheistic society, this decree is no big deal. However, for Daniel, it's a career decision, and they know it. Think about the implications here regarding Daniel's public testimony. He was so faithful to God, his enemies knew that he would choose God over compromise every time. Darius apparently has no idea he is, in effect, signing a death decree for Daniel. Well, beginning in verse 10, we see that the plan backfires. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him to the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth, and they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. 
Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them. And break all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and steadfast forever. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his kingdom shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So, this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Well, Daniel, of course, didn't change a thing. Three times a day he prayed to God in front of his open window. Hey, Daniel, just, just close the window. Well, nothing doing. No compromise for Daniel. Well, of course, they reported him to the king. The king hated it and tried to find a loophole that would save Daniel in verse 14, but he was obligated to transport Daniel to the lion's den. The other 122 government leaders insisted on it based upon the law. We see that in verse 15. The king wished him well, went back to the palace for the night, a miserable, foodless, sleepless night back at the palace, verse 18. Very early the next morning, the king is there checking on Daniel. Hey, Daniel, are you in there? Daniel answers, giving glory to God, and Darius is overjoyed. Well, now, hold on here for a minute. Maybe the lions just aren't hungry. Let's check out that possibility. So Darius summons the leaders, 122 of them, those that had plotted against Daniel, along with their families, and has them all cast into the lion's den. Oops. Well, turns out the lions were hungry after all. They pounced upon their new guest and consumed them before they even reached the bottom of the den. Subsequently, King Darius issues a very nice decree regarding the one true God who delivered Daniel, and as a result, Daniel prospers. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walton.